We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome to the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It's Friday, free-for-all mailbag. I missed you all very dearly. Let me say this is my first show since Monday. I was supposed to be on the Wednesday show, but of course we had to cancel it on, on Wednesday. And then Brian had a guest on Tuesday and on Thursday. Do you miss the one yesterday, especially, Brian? I mean, I I, I really I, I got addicted kind of listening to you and Tim O'Malley going yeah. on yesterday, man. There was a lot it was because it was cool because it was a lot of like inside jokes, but also great yeah. insight. It was just it was really fun, man. That was a good show yesterday. So Tim is really Thanks. good. He's really yes. good. He's a good friend and and does and and you got a chance to meet Tim face to face. Obviously, you and him Couple sat times. next to each other at the Syracuse game. Oh, that's right, because you did at the Baltimore game as well, right? Yeah, Tim, Tim's a Tim's a good dude, man. I got yeah. to talk to him a bunch at the Syracuse game, and I, I met him at one other game. I'm trying to remember which one it was, but Sar- oh, it's probably Syracuse and Navy. Those are probably the two games mm-hmm. I saw Tim this past year. Yeah. So yeah, he's he's awesome. I thought the conversation was great yesterday. So if you all didn't listen to that podcast. Go and check it out. You probably missed it because you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel. So you should make sure you subscribe, hit that notification bell. So, you know, when one of our great shows are coming up, hit that like button, all that great stuff before we get going here. Yes, right. But you should probably explain to people why you haven't been on as much this week and why you won't really be on that much the next couple weeks. Because I actually had somebody ask me, did Ryan get fired? <laughs> no, <laughs> did they really, really did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're just Hopefully so not. used to seeing our faces together every single day so go on you go ahead and share that. with people that don't know kind of what's going on and and why you're going to be a little scarce the next couple weeks we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yes, I, I've been trying to backlog as much content as possible for the next couple of weeks because for people that have been following the channel, they probably know this. For people that don't frequent as often, baby number two is coming any day now. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't have been surprised if they were here already at this point. I'm expecting our second daughter to the family. My wife stopped working last Friday, so it's literally when it happens, it happens. It could happen anytime. So. Over the next couple weeks, I will be doing the baby thing, doing the husband thing. But don't worry, y'all. I'll be back. This is not a gone forever. This is just I'll <laughs> see you in a couple weeks type of situation. Yeah. But I, I'm. But I will say this. I will get back and we'll get right back on the trail because there's more incredible recruiting weekends that have to be had after that. So right. we'll not be on the shows as frequently, obviously, and we'll not be on the shows at all over the two-week span. But I will be back. But. Thank you all for being understanding. You may, you may do a show on Monday, depending yeah, on oh, true. Your, true. depending on you know how the baby and mom are doing. Meaning, if the baby's not here yet, if the little one's not here yet, then uh, Ryan may do a show on, on on Monday, just so we can kind of extend his paternity leave a little bit closer. And, and to I'm, I'm going to try to backlog a couple individual yeah. shows over the weekend. Yeah. If you guys miss my face and my voice, so don't worry. We got a I linebacker got show already recorded that I'm going to put up this this weekend. Probably, actually, I may put it up Monday, Ryan, for Memorial Day, the linebacker That's video. So, but yeah, so we, we uh, Ryan's good. Ryan's a good place. Ryan's a good standing. We're we're good. I just wanted to throw some different things out to you guys this week, and then also give Ryan a chance to get caught up on some things and make sure that if if baby came sooner that we'd be we'd be all set so i uh i'm ready to rock and roll man but uh, yeah we're, we're good and i know y'all missed him and i miss doing shows with him so let's get rocking and rolling man yes sir yes sir i mean you had a couple of other great guests though on this week so yeah no, i did no. I, I mean it's hard to live up to the ryan roberts standard you know and i'm saying that i know, man. Tip, this tips week. at the bar I, pretty high yesterday, i think you man. i think you and i do great shows together uh yes, and so i knew i had to try and do my best but we also do want to do that one of the things that we're trying to do at irish breakdown is we are trying to get it to where we don't have the same people on every single day you know where ryan and i do we, and ryan and i are always gonna do shows together we love doing shows together but you know i ryan also has a lot of recruiting stuff to do there's a lot of things i want to do uh get you know ryan hopefully we'll get back to you know getting ryan and sean to do a show together and, and me and ryan and sean styers and i are going to do an afternoon show together here during the summer vince is going to be back on with me during the summer when the school year's out going to try to get bill bender back on and and uh, so that we just have different voices and different opinions and all that kind of stuff. And that's just so we can make sure that we're never getting stale with our content. And it's just not the same thing every day and making sure that you guys are getting as many well thought out and well reasoned opinions as you possibly can. So that's a lot of our plans for the summer. But that's yeah. not what people are here for right now, Ryan. They're, They're here right now for the mailbag because it's yes, Friday. Sir. 
which means it's Friday free for all. And I love this battle that that Nathan Milton and John A1 have now to see who can get in first. And yep. uh, and, and Nathan got it done today. So uh, we're, we're going to start off with those two guys. Man, and they get it in like an hour beforehand, man. It's absolutely wild. The question from Nathan Milton to start us off today. It has been indicated on IB that Jalen Smith and Brandon Wimbush were used incorrectly. Can you expand on how they were misused? Well, regarding Brandon Wimbush, I I, I want to be clear. I didn't say specifically that Brandon Wimbush was misused his entire career. I think Brandon Wimbush was misused for two games after the Michigan game in 2018 because I feel like the plan was always to go to Ian Book. It was the fact that they just felt they needed Brandon Wimbush to beat Michigan. And I and yeah. you go back and look at the Ball State and Vanderbilt game plans. Those were game plans geared more towards a guy like Ian Book than they were a guy like Brandon Wimbush. What I have said about Brandon Wimbush is Brandon Wimbush was not developed well at Notre Dame. Uh, I think Mike Sanford did a really bad job coaching Brandon. I think mechanically he screwed him up. I think he got in Brandon's head a little bit, and I don't think Brandon ever recovered. Because Brian, I, I remember having a conversation with a, a Notre Dame coach who was not part of uh, Brandon's first two years. He was someone who came on later. And we were having a conversation about Brandon, and I said, hey, I want you to do me a favor. And he's like, all right. I said, go back and watch his high school highlight films. And he went back and watched his high school highlight films. He goes, who's that dude? I don't know who that dude is. Like, that's not the Brandon Wimbush that we have because his mechanics had gotten jacked up. He was a very natural thrower in high school. I mean, he was a 70% completion guy as a senior in a very good league. Yes, uh, He got jacked up at Notre Dame and by whoever was coaching him at quarterback his first couple years. And so by the time Chip Long and Tom Reese got here, I feel like Brandon was sort of mechanically damaged goods and he could just never get it back. And so that has been my thing with Brandon Wimbush. Not that he was misused. I, I, I think that in 2017, he was used exactly how you're supposed to use a guy like Brandon Wimbush. I, I mean, I think they used him phenomenally in 2017. Throw the ball down the field, run it a ton you know, and using his legs and using his big arms. So I had no beef at all with how they used him in 2017 or how they used him against Michigan in 2018. And Brandon played a huge role. And I don't think they beat Michigan if Brandon's not the quarterback. I mean, just some of the plays he made, some of the big-time throws he made down the field. Remember the third and 17? I think it was Josh Uche. Uh, Uche, is that how you pronounce his name? Comes yep, off Uche. the edge, yep. and it's like third and 17. He's got Brandon dead to rights, and Brandon just – bounces off the tackle, gets outside, runs for like 20 yards, picks up the first down. Ian Book was, had, was phenomenal his first five, six starts of that season. you know. But he, he, he can't do that against a team like Michigan. That was a pretty good Michigan defense that year. And uh, But once they kind of got that win, they were ready to move on to a different direction, and, and, and I don't think they used him well against Ball State or Vanderbilt. But – uh, I I don't think he's misused. Jalen Smith was misused simply because they didn't let him attack. I yeah. mean, that was really a big thing. If you go back and watch those games, basically, as as bad of a coach as I think Brian McGorder was, and as dumb as it was to continue to start Joe Schmidt in 2015, and again, you have never heard me say Joe Schmidt had no business starting in 2014. You've never heard me say that. I think Joe Schmidt was actually pretty decent in 2014. He, he was. wasn't good, but he was solid. And it made a lot of sense to have him. Once he got hurt against Navy and he he lost some athleticism and he just you, you, they put him in bad spots. And I don't blame Joe Schmidt for that. I blame the coaches for that. And so they knew that Joe was limited athletically in 2015 from a quickness and speed standpoint and a power standpoint. And so what they did was is they'd use Joe to get the calls and make sure everybody else is lined up. And then they'd use Jalen to protect Joe. 
And so that's why Jalen was kind of used as a cleanup man as opposed to an attacker, someone who who would get after people. I mean, the fact that Jalen Smith went two years in a row, his last two years, including the year he won the Buckus Award, and never had 10-plus tackles for loss, yet Asmar Bilal did that in his in, in 2018 or 2019 under Clark Lee, tells you everything you need to know. Uh, I mean, Tavon Coney had thir- – yeah, Tavon Coney had 13 tackles for loss as a rotation guy in 2017. As a rotation guy, or t- excuse me, uh, no, is it 20? Yeah, 2017. No, he had 12 and a half tackles for loss. Excuse me. Drew Tranquil had 10 and a half tackles for loss in 2017. And so you're telling me that, that you know, James on Wallow even had 11 and a half tackles for loss. But you're telling Patrick, me that Jalen Smith. I forgot about could, James on Wallow. Yeah. I, I saw him on a recruiting ranking for Notre Dame the one year listed as a wide receiver. And I completely forgot yeah. he was a uh, like well, he, an athlete coming out of high school. He, he played his first year at Notre Dame as a wide receiver. Yeah, which is interesting, but uh, it, it was that. I mean, not using him to blitz. The fact that a guy like Jalen Smith, I think he had like what two sacks. I think his, his in his career he had uh, no, three and a half sacks in 2014, and then one sack in 2015. So four and a half sacks in, in that that last. I mean that that just that was just not using him correctly. I mean, how, how many interceptions did Jalen have his last two years? Zero. Zero. How does a guy like Jalen Smith not have interceptions with his athleticism? Because you weren't using him correctly. So that was my issue with that. Is Jalen, I will say, was misused. Uh, he should have been used as more of a downhill player. And when, when he did it, he was pretty good. Uh, you know, he was a guy that I mean, had 11 sacks in his career in the NFL, right? And you're telling me he couldn't get more than one as a senior? So th- those are the issues that I had. He was just not allowed to play to his skill set, to attack downhill, to be a really good uh, backside pursuit player, good flow player, getting him out in space at times in certain matchups. He was just restrained, in my opinion, yeah. and used to – that's why he had really high tackle numbers. It was in the 90s, I think, both of his last two – I think he was actually over – wasn't he over 100? I think his last year at Notre Dame. It was close, yeah. 114 his last year, 69 solos. Yeah. That's a lot of solo tackles. You know, he was over had 111 actually in 2014, 114 in 2015. But those were a lot of think about that 114 tackles, only nine of them were behind the line of scrimmage for a guy like Jalen Smith that could do what he did against Michigan in, in 24. Remember the 2014 tackle for loss he had against Michigan? That was one of the best yep. plays I've ever seen from a linebacker. He had one of the smoothest celebrations ever, man. The little oh, like, yeah. shark thing, the, the little, little shark the, fin. The, Fantastic. Was it bowl, and he did a he did a yeah. bowling thing, and then would do that because he was yeah. a, he's bowled several three hundred. So yeah, it was, it was pretty it wild. Was dope, man. It was dope. So uh, I don't know if you want to add to that, Ryan, but that's that's how I, I would say he was misused. The only, the only thing that I would add to any of this conversation because I think you hit on it perfectly, Brian, is that some, one, every once in a blue moon, because you know that Brandon Woodbush is a New Jersey guy out of St. Peter's, obviously here in Jersey. Every once in a blue moon, I'll go watch his huddle highlight tape from his senior year, and I almost start crying because I'm like, that kid. I never got to see that kid at Notre Dame. Never got to see him, man. He was so – uh I was convinced that Brandon Wimbush was going to be an absolute star at Notre Dame coming out of St. Peter's. Yeah. Absolute star. He was never that, unfortunately. No. And I don't really put that on him. I mean, you've got to be either. developed, right? Yep. I mean, it just, yeah, it's very frustrating. Very frustrating. We yep. get down here from, we got a question from Coleman Smith. Coleman says, scale of one to 10, Notre Dame lands Elijah Rushing. I, I think, Brian, I think we did this like two weeks ago, and I'm still at, about the same. I'm like a three, Coleman. Like, I just, I, 
there's a shot because he's coming for an official visit. It'll be his second time on campus, but I just I don't think it's overly likely at this time. We'll see. Ask me again though after the visit because the visit could obviously change things a little bit. Hopefully, hopefully it will change things a lot. I don't remember what I said last time. Right, like my like a five. I think you said four like, or five. Four or like five. That, yeah. I think they have a better shot than Ryan does, but neither of us are predicting Notre Dame to get him right now. That's all. I mean, it's just it's just more a little bit. In, in where my optimism comes from, it's not even about optimism. It's just more of because he is coming for the official and there's the opportunity. So like Ryan and I see the recruitment very similarly. They, we don't predict them to get him now. We do think he's a great fit for Notre Dame. He had very high interest early and a visit could shake things up, right? We yep. see it the same way. I think the only difference in our ranking Ryan is more of just a, I, I'm projecting a little bit towards the yep. visit where you're just going where, where it is right now. I, I yes. you know, I, I think that'd be the, 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 the difference, but Let's see how the visit goes. If the visit goes yep. well, I think they'll have a shot. I think they'll have it, a shot. The, the number could definitely change depending on that visit. There's no doubt about mm-hmm. that. Next question from Coleman Smith again. It says, Brian, why does Sean feel better about Justin Scott than you do? I mean, to a degree, you're going to have to ask Sean that question. I don't I don't know what Sean has said publicly recently about Justin Scott. If I can tell you what basically the the feeling that that Sean and I have or that Sean has that 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 has been expressed to me in our our personal conversations and and I think he's valid. I think a lot of people believe that Justin Scott is going to commit to Miami at some point this summer. I think most people believe that. I think where Sean is and and I I am here too actually. Uh, but it's just a little bit here here's where we're, I'll show where we're different. I think Sean and I both believe that he may commit to Miami this summer, but he's going to sign with a Midwestern school when it comes down to it. That's what we both think. My thing though, this is where I think Sean and I are are a little bit different is that I think right now Michigan is, uh, is competing to is ahead of Notre Dame right now. And now that doesn't mean that Justin doesn't like Notre Dame. It doesn't mean that Notre Dame's not still recruiting him. We've seen, we've been here before, Ryan. I mean, we we were, we were here about this time. uh, Not quite this time because by this time they had, Gained, gotten back in good shape with Christian Gray. But about 14 yeah. months ago, we were in a similar position with Christian Gray. And yes. LSU and Ohio State had passed them up. So I'm not saying Notre Dame can't get Justin Scott. I, I think they can. And I think they have to stay in it for the long haul. And if he commits to Miami, I do not anticipate Notre Dame backing off of him. They're going to stay on him because I think they know at the end of the day that Justin ultimately is, is I think, going to want to stay closer to home. And I think he should. He's, he's more of a Midwestern kid. But you know, you're you're getting down to Miami. You're going out to LA. You you, you know, you, you've got all these. Oh, I'm getting coached by Hall of Famer and Justin Jason Taylor, and you know, all all these things that sound great. But I don't know how good Miami's going to be on the football field this year. Yeah, and you know, is this thing drag? So you got to stay on them. You got to keep them a priority, no matter who he commits to. That's going to be the key for Notre Dame. I just think right now you've got to overcome two schools at this point in time. So I think that's that's kind of where I'm at. And I think probably Sean and I's difference of opinion comes from more of similar to what Ryan and I have talked about, which is Justin has maintained that he's going to visit Notre Dame in the fall. Uh, I don't I don't think that him committing will necessarily change that, although Miami's going to try hard to get him not to visit Notre Dame. Sure. I think he'll I think the the, the relationships that, that some are banking on the relationships he has with people like CJ and especially like Cam Williams that are going to help Notre Dame at the end. I just look at it and say, I don't know if um, if it's just going to turn out the way that that um, 
that we think right now. Because again, guys, I can only tell you where things are right now. It's the same thing last year when it was good news with like Keon and Dante. So look, I can only tell you what the situation is right now. I can't predict what's going to happen in two months. I can only tell you where it is right now. And where it is right now is Notre Dame has has lost some momentum there, just like they had 14, 15 months ago with Christian Gray. The question is, can you get it back like you did with Christian Gray? Because I think Justin Scott's very much a Notre Dame kid, very much so. It's just when is he going to figure that out? You know, I think he'll fit in very well at Notre Dame. I just – He's got to he's got to figure that out. And right now, there's, you know, Miami's the hot program for him and for some other kids. That's that's why I say it's a marathon, not a sprint. And as long as Notre Dame stays on him and makes him keeps him as a priority, I think they'll have a shot to to flip him down the road. I just don't I just don't think right now they're in a position where they're going to get him. And so if I had to guess, I think Sean and I are projecting. He's projecting a little bit more to what he think will ultimately happen, and I'm just telling you where things are right now. And I don't think Sean would. would I mean, you, Ryan, you, you and he talked yesterday too. Do I? Do you think that I misstated kind of where he's at right now? Right now, he knows that Notre Dame doesn't lead for that kid. He just thinks that when it, it's all said and done, the kid's going to pick Notre Dame. He could be right. Which, yeah, I mean, let's hope. I mean, I, I, it wouldn't shock me. I, I'm I'm right here with this man. Is that and again, I'm not reading too much into Twitter stuff a lot, Brian. Right? Like I'm not, but I, I saw the when the final schools got announced for for Justin Scott, he had retweeted and said something like "coming soon" or something. And I'm here to say, guys, this is my opinion. If a decision does come soon within the next few weeks or in the summer, I don't think it's going to be Notre Dame. I don't like. I just that's where I am with it. Like if it goes into the fall then that's a better situation, I think, for Notre Dame. And you still recruit him without question, even if he commits to another school. But if it happens anytime soon, I just just I just don't think it's I just don't think it's good. You know, like this if it happens soon, I just don't think it's gonna be Notre Dame. That's just kind of where I am at with it right now. The other thing is I don't think they're gonna completely yeah. shut he's gonna shut Notre Dame out even if he does commit to Miami. So I mean that's just the reality of it. I think he's gonna I think he's going to still talk to Notre Dame and still talk to Michigan. It's just about who can, cause like, it's the same thing guys. It doesn't matter who you commit to. It matters who you sign with. It's just right now they've got a lot of momentum. They got to overcome before they're going to get to that point in time. Yeah. I mean, you remember when uh, Peyton Bowen was committed to Oregon? No one cares about that anymore. He's at Oklahoma. Right. <laughs> it Oregon for 15 minutes. And, and no one cares that he was committed to Notre Dame for almost a year. Cause where did he sign with Oklahoma? He's, he's at Oklahoma. Yep. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Cause you know, Brent Venables values commitment so much, right? God, that oh man, that turned me off so bad when he said that. Man, I was like, yeah. wait, you're 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 preaching that when you're taking kids that are committed on campus right now? Yeah. Like, okay, okay, buddy, just be consistent. Yeah. I, I just ask for consistency. That's all. But yeah, yeah, sure. He's full of crap. We had another question from John A. One said, "Which player currently playing safety has the highest ceiling at the position?" I'd probably go Xavier Watts. It's either him or to me, it's either him or um, it's either him or Ramon Henderson of the guys that are on the roster right now. I, I, I'm not counting Antonio Carter just yet because I need to see him play the position. Sure. I have a feeling I change. I mean, it's it's I, I can't give it to one of the freshmen just yet, but it's it's one of those two. I mean, Ramon Henderson athletically is really potentially very good. He just has to figure out how to play football. Xavier knows how to play football and is a very good athlete. So I'd say right now I'd say Xavier Watson. Another reason I'd say Ramon is in there is because Ramon is so much bigger 
than Xavier. I mean, he's six one and a half. He's a lot longer. He's thicker. So I'd go there. But it's it's one of those two for me, Ryan. R- Ramon Henderson looks like an NFL safety on the hoof. I mean, you see him move around. You're like, that looks like an NFL safety. There's no doubt. I, I would also go Xavier Watch just because I think there's been an actualization of traits a lot more than there has been with Ramon. I mean, we've been talking about Ramon breaking out for a couple of years now, right? And it just hasn't happened. So mm-hmm. at some point you're like, hmm. Not sure if that breakout's gonna happen, guys. I'm just not <laughs> sure. So I'll say Xavier because not only do I think he's talented, I think that you've also have seen an actualization of traits as well, turning into production. So give me Xavier in that instance. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. I, I mean, I, I'm comfortable going there with you. Yeah. Next question's from that facilitate inform. What do you think about Matt Bayless and the state of the strength and conditioning program at Notre Dame? I think it's outstanding. I mean, I think they have an outstanding transition program as far as Matt Bayless. I think there's things that Notre Dame needs to do more to give him more support. I think the nutrition program can, needs to to continue to get better and better. The players are are certainly better off than they were, they were five years ago, but they're not where they need to be in relate in relation to where the other top programs are. And that's one of those things the school should absolutely take pride in. And, uh, there's definitely a long way to go there. And that is just every, and that's not something that Matt Bayless can control. He can give guys plans on here's the kind of food you need to have and stuff like that. But in a lot of these other schools, they literally feed these kids every meal. I mean, you have, yes, you're getting breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, shakes, all that stuff are prepared by the schools. And Notre Dame doesn't do it as much of that, at least as far as I know. And unless that's changed in the last six months, which I don't believe that it has, that's something that they could continue to help improve the Notre Dame staff, which will help with some of the weight gains, weight losses, and things like that that Notre Dame has because there's only so much the strength program can do in that regard. So, But as far as, like, I mean, I think Notre Dame is a very strong physical team. I think that they're uh, when they're coached right, I think it, it, it's like when one guy doesn't have what you do in 17 and 18 and 20 and, you know, 22 from a physicality standpoint, say, well, he was – he was doing good things that year, but not in 2021 or, you know, 19 when the team wasn't as physical. I think that was more about coaching and mentality and culture than it is Matt Bayless's program. Sure. Every year, and I had a, I had this argument with a buddy of mine. He's like, you know, guys don't get faster at Notre Dame. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he would point to Kyle Hamilton and Kyron Williams. Well, they didn't run a good 40 times. I was like, okay, so you're just going to ignore Kevin Austin, Drew Tranquil, Miles Boykin, Chase Claypool, like all these uh, – Troy Pride, these other guys that just blew the combine up. It's like every year there's like one or two Notre Dame guys that just shock everybody at the combine. Wow, that guy's a lot more athletic than I thought. You know, like Isaiah Foskey this year ran very good times. And he's like, well, Michael Mayer didn't run. So what what time did you expect Michael Mayer to run? Ran like a 4-7 flat or like a high 4-6. Like what were you expecting him to run, like a 4-5? So I, I don't know where that came from or where that thing comes from, but just some people just, uh, you know, they'll, 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 they look to be negative and the – but I think the strength program is outstanding. I think their power numbers are very good. Yeah. Uh, their, 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 their bench numbers are usually pretty good at the combine. Uh, their athletic testing numbers are usually pretty good for guys who are athletic. Like Julian Love is was never going to be fast, ever. No. But you know what he did? He had very good agility numbers. And those well, that's the signs of athletic. <laughs> the vertical jumps are usually very good. The broad jumps are usually very good. All the things that, that to me, factor into – do you have a good strength program are things that show up. Plus, I mean, they've won a lot of freaking games since he's been here. Let's not forget that. that. They, they, that I think that's the biggest thing, Brian, is that people just think athleticism is just 
symbolized by speed, right? Like that's the only thing that matters. It's like people always talk about the four, five, nine that Kyle Hamilton ran, but they never talk about the 39 inch vertical and the 10 10 broad jump that he jumped. Like it was still pretty absurd, man. Like, yeah, his 40 time wasn't great, but athleticism isn't just determined by 40 times. I mean, like there's different types of athletes, right? Like it was he ran a part- six nine three cone. Which is it's pretty good. good. It's really for good. For a six foot four guy. Yeah. Yes. It's yeah. just it's one of those situations, and I was let down a little bit too in the process because I was told by someone close to the training facility that he was going to run a lot faster than he ran, right. and that was a letdown for me. But like in actuality, you're like four five something for a six four two hundred twenty pound safety is a pretty good number, right? And then the thirty nine inch vert and a ten broad that's very very good numbers so there's different there's different levels of athletes there's different types of athletes so I think we should we should understand that the other thing too is let's not forget these kids spend several months with a specific training program that is the ones ultimately responsible for whether or not their forty times are going to get better and and so uh, you know that's also as much on them as it is matt bayless what matt yeah. bayless is doing is as far as the product we're seeing on the field is outstanding it's outstanding and the kids love them that's the other thing too is like i mean so they put in the work for him they absolutely love him and you know i think he, he's he's got a pretty good read on on the idea of there you got to make sure you're not putting certain weight on kids that um that could could maybe prove problematic too much you yeah. know yeah, you got to be a little careful with that. I think he's usually pretty good about that. Uh, figuring that out, I think, is something that he's usually pretty good at. So, yeah, yeah. There, there's not there's there hasn't been a lot of Notre Dame players over the last couple of years where I'm just like that guy just had too much weight on his frame. Like that was just not good weight. Like usually they're they're in pretty good spots. I agree with you on that one. I agree. Yeah. Good question, facilitate. Our next question is from Nathan Milton, who says it has been indicated. Oh, we already answered this one. Okay, sorry. I was getting to the next Nathan one. Uh, sorry, Nathan's got too many, man. Just flooded it. He said, if Justin Scott does not sign with Notre Dame, what would be the reasons you think he would pick another school? I think it just comes down to, look, I, I think that they're – look, I don't want to spend the next seven months answering 87,000 questions about Justin Scott. I mean, it, it's what we've said before. Notre Dame allowed other schools to get into the mix when this recruitment should have been shut down before, you know, I, I'm sure there's things that Miami is saying to him that are very enticing. You know, I, I don't think this is a deal where like Miami's offered him a million dollars. I don't think it's one of those kind of deals. I just think this is a Midwestern kid that's gotten to go around the country. And he went down to South beach during a great time of the year to be down in South beach. He left snow in Chicago, goes down to South beach, you know, Jason Taylor's there. You know, there's a lot of buzz around the program, all this kind of stuff. And I think, you know, they've made him feel really important. They've made him feel like a priority. And the reality is, is Notre Dame has been very inconsistent doing that. I think this is just my opinion. I think in some ways that 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 and certain people at Notre Dame kind of took Justin for granted a little bit. And I'm I'm thinking of of Al Washington here. And and then then you get back and like, okay, well, we gotta we gotta really ramp it up now. Well, now it's too late because you've allowed that that stuff in his mind to kind of hey maybe i might leave this area I, I might go to visit this place that place and the other place and i think that just allowed them to to get involved but we've said all this before i mean this isn't new i've I've explained all this before and and you know that's kind of where it is when you when you when you don't close the deal early and a, then a kid blows up and becomes this five star 
and everybody in the in the country knows them. I mean, Miami's doing a great job. Miami's sending the kitchen. I mean, there there was one I was talking to. I think Sean told me this, or some somebody told me this. It was like there's one day, like during one of the open periods, where Miami sent like five coaches to his high school. Notre Dame went and saw him like once. You know, like Al Golden never went out and saw him during the most recent open period. Now Marcus Freeman couldn't. But like yep. honestly, I'd send I I would have sent if I was Marcus Freeman, I'd have sent Washington out there once every week. Like every Monday before he goes on the road, he's going out to see Justin Scott. I'm sending out Wa- Golden out there. I'm sending Mike Mickens out there. I'm sending multiple I'm sending Chancey out there. I'm sending Jared Parker out there. I'm, I mean, I'm sending everybody out to see this kid. That's what you do when a kid is a priority. And I just think in some ways that they're assuming that Al Washington's going to get this job done, and I don't think he's going to be able to do it by himself. It's going to have to be a, a, a more of a group effort, and, and not just Marcus Freeman either. He, kids got to made be kids got to be made to feel like a priority, like a major priority. And I don't think he was that for a while at Notre Dame. He is now. They're they're making him feel that way now, but I, I think in some ways they took him for granted, and that allowed Michigan and Miami and some other schools to really make him feel important. And I, I I get that. I, I, that's how, that's how I was when I was going, who really values me? Who really values what I can bring to the table? Because that's that. And here's why that matters. It's not an ego thing. It's if you value me, you're going to work with me and you're going to be, it's You're going to be invested in doing what it takes to make me the best player that I can be as long as I put in the work. But if I'm just another guy that you're recruiting in my position, then you're not going to be invested in really doing what it takes to, to make sure that I can be the best player person man i can be every kid should feel that way during the recruiting process who values you the most that's how every player should be talking and thinking and feeling it's not an ego thing it's a because if someone truly values you then they're going to invest a lot into making sure that they do what it takes to get you ready to go play football and play football at a high level that's why it matters i i think justin's a big relationship guy i really do so i i I think that for me it's just one of those situations where Notre Dame was late to the relationship building process. They had a chance to close, but I think that then there was a realization of like, hey, let's take a step back. And once that step back taken, it was about which program is going to build the deepest relationships. I don't think this is an NIL thing, right? Like, this, is that involved at all? Yeah. Sure. Yes. It is. But I don't think that this is just a Miami's offering the most money. So that's where Justin Scott's going. No, I I don't think that's what this is. I think that this is a situation where Miami is pushing hard for him and exhausting their efforts to make Justin feel like a priority to your point, Brian. I just don't think Notre Dame has consistently done that in this recruitment. That's just, I don't know how else to quantify it, man. Notre Dame hasn't hustled hard enough in this one. That's my opinion on it. I just don't think they have. Can they still flip the script? Yes, I do think they can still flip the script, but it's got to start happening soon or else it's not going to happen in my opinion. Right. Agree. And they, and they are they are working to get there. They are. It's just going to it's going to take some time. That's the thing. So Yeah. And and look, guys, here's the deal. I promise you. I'll make a promise to you guys, okay? I promise you when something changes, we'll talk to you about it. We'll let you know. I, I think we've pretty much said everything there is to say about where things stand with Justin Scott. When things change, I promise you we'll tell you about it. And Nathan, you're a board member, so you'll definitely get it for sure. You'll definitely get it. Yep. Coleman Smith says, if you could take one player on offense and defense from the 2017 team and put it on this team, who would it be? Oh, gosh. The, the, the offensive one's easy. That's super easy. 
Yeah. Could you imagine having a left side of your offensive line of Joe Walt and Quentin Nelson <laughs> Quentin, yeah, with Blake yeah. Fisher at right tackle and then Billy Shrouth at right guard with Zeke Corral at center? Be Hello, good. Joe Moore Award. I mean, <laughs> Be pretty good. You, you know what I mean? Like, I'd take that in a heartbeat. That's an easy one for me, Ryan. I mean, and, yeah. and that's not a shot of Mike McGlinchey, but it's just like Notre Dame's already pretty good there. Yeah, you, you have good I mean? tackles. Like, you're good, yeah. 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 You actually have a better left tackle now than you even you did back then, in my opinion. Oh, man. Yeah, that, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about it now. It's like Joe Alt, Blake Fisher, Quentin Nelson, Billy Shrouth, and Zeke Carell. It's, uh, yeah. It's not bad. You know, you know, you'd also be pretty happy with that is Zeke Carell having Quentin Nelson next to him. <laughs> yeah. like, yes, Quentin sir. Nelson and yes, Billy Shrouth? Yeah, I think he'll take that. Yeah. I think he'll take that. Yeah, oh, call me crazy, man. but yeah, I think he would take it's a that. Pretty, uh, it's a pretty physical offensive line in that instance. Pretty physical. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, that that would be – well, how about how about defense, Ryan? Who would your pick be on defense? I'm trying to think. So that year – I'm just trying to uh, – oh, man. Jeremiah Wusukor Mo, well, he wasn't that guy yet. In he was a freshman right? yet. He was yeah, not he was, ready for he that. He wasn't no. that guy yet. Yeah, Lohi Gilman was sitting out. He couldn't play that year. Uh, yeah, some of the guys. Yeah, Niles Morgan, Grim Martini, uh, and uh, Tavon Coney. At, yeah, Tavon Coney at inside linebacker. Yeah, uh, you had Jerry Tillery at defensive tackle. Uh, Nick Coleman and Jalen Elliott were your safety. Sean Crawford was your nickel. Um, you had Khalid Kareem was kind of an emerging type of player as a, as a nice rotation piece. I, honestly, I'd probably. Is, I'd is it probably weird that I want to say Jalen Elliott? Like I, I don't know, yeah. man. Like. I, uh... I, I'd probably take, to be honest with you, I'd probably take uh, Drew Tranquil. He was a rover on the team, but I'd move him inside. I mean, honestly, could you imagine if you're starting inside linebacker? I, give me J.D. Bertrand and, and uh, Drew Tranquil at inside linebacker. I'm feeling pretty good. The other option would be is Jerry Tillery, and, and I'd put him at nose. And I know Are that you playing at nose instead of three at, tech? Yeah, because he was a nose on that team. He was a nose yeah. on that. He didn't move to three technique till the next year. Right. Uh, I'd have put him at nose, but just so then I could have, but I honestly, I, I like Notre Dame's potential interior defensive line this year. I really do. I think I really believe Ryan that, that we're going to, we're going to look back on the end of, at, on this team at the end of the year and be like, wow, this, this group of Riley Mills and Howard Cross and Gabriel Rubio and Jason Onye, and then the younger guys coming up who are going to get their chances to shine during the season. Boy, that, that was a lot better than maybe we thought it was going to be going into the season. I have a lot of optimism about yeah. the interior. After the spring, after what we saw this spring, I have a lot of optimism about, about what this interior is going to be. So I have major question marks at will. So why would I not want a guy that, that was a 10-plus tackle for loss guy and a NFL starting linebacker now potential to be my will? I, I'll take that. I'll take that yeah. in a heartbeat. I, um, so, someone said something in the chat that I thought was interesting because my immediate thought went to Jalen Elliott just because there's so much sure. question marks at safety. But if I had Julian Love, I could move him to safety in this hypothetical. Or nickel. Right? Like I, yeah. yeah. Or nickel. Yeah. Or nickel. Yeah, and I could strengthen yeah. that, and that would also strengthen safety by doing that as well. So maybe, maybe Julian right. Love would be my pick. That's an interesting yeah. one. Yeah, there's some good options. I mean, you you know, because you, you didn't really see the breakouts yet from like Khalid Kareem and Julian Aguara. They hadn't really broken out yet. You know, Khalid had like three sacks that year. Khalid and, and Julian had sort of their breakouts in 2018. Yeah. So th- those wouldn't really be be good options. Although even 2017, Khalid Kareem would be a pretty good big end in this defense. 
He'd be uh, a really good big end. He was yeah. of all the defensive players they had in that stretch from like 17, 18, 19. I always thought Khalid was the most underrated and underappreciated. I thought he was so good at Notre Dame. I mean, 10 plus tackles for a loss and two plus. Could you imagine? Like, think about this. Let me just say this to you, Ryan, and you tell me if, what, what your reaction would be. If this upcoming season, mm-hmm. Notre Dame starting defensive big end, the starting big end, has 10 and a half tackles for loss, four and a half sacks, and 42 tackles. How good is this Notre Dame defense going to be? Oh, it's very good. It's very good. Right. Yeah. That's it, what Khalid have, did in 2018. Because is, is, if a big end is getting that much backfield production in 2022 or 2023, excuse me, that tells me that Jordan Batelho and the Vipers are getting a lot of one on ones on the backside. Like that's what that tells me. And I will take that all day. So, yes, yeah. it would be very good. Very good. Yeah, be very excited about that. And he just – and not that he was underappreciated. I mean, fans liked him, but I don't think fans realized how good he was because he wasn't flashy. Yeah. But he was also clutch. Like, every time – I'm like, I, I feel like I could name all his sacks, and they're all like, okay, fourth quarter against Michigan when they're down a touchdown. You know what I mean? Like, a pit game, fourth quarter, you just went up. They're trying to come back. He comes up with a sack. Like It's just like he was a, a money player too. Like, he was a clutch player. And to me, that's – that. That was the. This is what Tim and I were talking about, Ryan, and you and I have talked about before. That was the biggest difference to me between Isaiah Foskey in 2021 and Isaiah Foskey in 2022. The numbers were actually better, you know, tackles for loss and sacks this year, but he wasn't a money player this year. He was a money player last year. And, uh, and that's how, that's how Khalid was for me. It was nice to hear somebody else on the beat that also had a similar opinion of like Foskey's, um, impact comparative yeah. to what it was in 2021 it was very interesting yeah yeah next question from john a1 who says is the viper position a flex sam in a 335 alignment to go from three down to four down without subbing if that's why three linebacker recruits are playing the position hmm um, i mean to a, to a degree i, I mean I, I would say this john like it's a flex Sam to a degree. So, I mean, Sam's a strong side player, though. That's the biggest yeah. problem I have with the conversation. That's what right. the S stands for in a Sam. It's a strong side player, and the Viper is a right. weak side player. Right. I get that. I get that. I, I think that the characteristics are probably a little bit of the same, John, to your question. Like, that's kind of where I go with it because in a 3 3 5, basically, when you're stacking the Sam backer or the Viper, however, we're quantifying this player for a second. Let's just, you know, just linebacker or Viper. He's a guy that has to work from the second level, has to work from a little bit more depth, ability to still set an edge, to still flow. But also, depending if you're going from three down to four down, he can come and play up on the line of scrimmage. I feel like this is what the traditional Sam was. You know, when, when we, because Brian, like, I always remember like a Sam linebacker, like it was like, under and over fronts like i'm gonna get him on the line of scrimmage at times i'm gonna let him rush off the edge and you used to think of a guy with a little bit more length a guy that was a little bit better of a blitzer so i do think that the characteristics are similar john yes i think that because jordan batello i think is a perfect viper right because in a 335 he is playing that linebacker role and he is comfortable working on the second level he's literally done that before so yes i think the characteristics are similar to brian's point a Sam is a strong side linebacker, right? So they're on the front side. A Viper is a weak side defensive end or a boundary player. But in this regard, into your question, I do think there are a lot of similarities to skill sets. In a 3-3-5, with a guy 
at that linebacker spot that can also play Viper that can come up on the line of scrimmage. That is how you would traditionally think of a Sam linebacker that was playing in a lot of under fronts, a guy that can play on ball, a guy that can play off ball, a guy that can do characteristics of both. So I do think there is some interchangeability there for sure. Good question, John. John I like this name. Great question. Yeah. I like this. And they're thoughtful. That's the thing. And Nathan's got some, has had some, uh, that's the things, the the ones that got to make you think and you got to really, okay, let me explain this one a little bit. I like, we get a lot of those. And that's one thing I love about why we do honest. You guys want to know why we do super, why we do mailbags almost every day. And we're not going to be able to keep doing them like five days a week. Like we are, we'll get to that next week when we explain our new thing. But part of it is because you guys ask so many great questions and they spark such great discussion. I mean, that's really ultimately the reason why we do it. It's not just because we, we I like blowing three and a half hours in the middle of the day where I can't get any other work done. No, it's because it's it's really great content, and I and you guys really do ask. And I'm like, how do they not run out of questions? Like, and it's and like it, every it's, day. It's not, it's not usually a bunch of repeats either, which is no, great. unless it's somebody's really trying not. to tweak us. Like the guy Adam Blair asked, who's who's more athletic, Jalen Smith or Micah Parsons? <laughs> Like you're just trying to start crap, Adam. That's what you're trying to do. You're yes, trying to start is. a fight. Yes, he is. So let's go I with Homer's birth. The the mailbag and the podcast every day are really nice though, because my wife doesn't like listening to me. So somebody mm-hmm. has to, folks. And you guys just may be that outlet for me to talk during the day. That's so right. there we are. <laughs> you can always call Question. me, Ryan. You know that. Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From Domer since birth, it is a great, great, great name. Great screen name, by the way. Notre Dame posted a job position which replaces Bill Reese's vacancy. Do you did you see it? What other qualifications would you look for when filling the void? Background, years, experience, connections. Happy Memorial Day weekend to you as well. I saw that it was listed. I didn't necessarily read what was in the qualifications, so I don't really know. Was, was I mean, that what someone, someone posted that on the board, right, mm-hmm. or something like that? I believe it was point? for that position, yeah. yeah. I mean, Got look, the, the way that the position has been used in the past, you need someone that can evaluate film well. And 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 because here's the here's the way it works, Ryan. I don't – I mean, Notre Dame probably gets thousands of of kids reaching out every, I mean, every year, thousands. And you need some way to weed out and process it to where you're really getting the guys that Notre Dame should go after in front of the coaches. Yep. And and Especially so that's with the part transfer of the, portal now. Yeah, like it's just wild. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's part of the. Pro- and honestly, they need to. They and I don't know if they're doing this yet, but if they're not, they need to. They need to have a high school staff and a. And the NFL does this. You have scouts, I believe, Ryan. Uh, teams have scouts that literally just evaluate other teams oh yeah free agents that are going to be coming up that next year there's there's a college scouting department and there's a pro scouting department the pro scouts are scouting the team and then upcoming free agents and other teams as well you guys you may want to trade for hey we we need a defensive end who you know we're willing to trade for who should we look at well you know 
And Notre Dame needs that uh, if they don't already. I don't, I'm not, when I say that they need it, they may already have it. I haven't asked this question. I'm just saying if they don't, they need it. If they do have it, great. It needs to be expanded. Uh, but this, but whether you're doing it high school or for the teams, you need something that can evaluate film properly. Now, what does that mean? Okay, I can evaluate a kid's talent. I can, I, I'm, a, I'm good at projecting what this kid w- can be. Uh, not just a, overall as a player, but also fit into what we do. You'll get people that'll. I have a, a buddy who who's pretty good evaluator of film, but he'll say, "Hey, do you think Notre Dame should recruit this kid?" And and all of his evaluations of the kid Ryan are spot on. Hey, you nailed yeah. this kid. He's like, "Well, why would why won't you pass him along to Notre Dame staff?" And I was like, "Because that kid, where would he play in the Notre Dame defense or the Notre Dame offense? Right. Like, you know, he's a he he would fit in much better here." And, and so there's got to be that aspect of it too. Uh, someone that can also look at a kid like, Hey, I, I see that kid and and I'm, I have the ability to look and say, I think that kid can get here, can fill out here, or, you know what, this kid can't really fill out here. So I, I would want someone that has some experience doing that. I don't know how much because Ryan, I, I always say to this, yeah, experience is very valuable, but it can't be, it can't be something you put so much stock into that you miss out on a chance to, to bring in someone that lacks it, that has really talent, a, a great talent in that regard. Like Bill Reese is, you know, is, is a good evaluator, very good evaluator of talent. He didn't like suck at it for 15 years and eventually he got good at it. He, I'd be willing to bet she's always had a good eye for talent. Now it gets better and better and better over the years and, and I mean, but he was Terry Donahue's primary recruiting guy, like back in like the eighties, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, so he's been doing this a long time and, and so experience matters. But like I said, if if you've got the talent to do it, you, you can show it early on. You don't necessarily bring in a rookie for this job, but you also don't need someone who's 60 either. Just find someone that's really good at it. But it, to me, it, it, it just come, I don't care about connections for this job. I care about a bit of evaluate film and and I don't know what role this person is allowed to have in regard to engaging with recruits on campus. I don't I don't know how that goes. So if it is a a, a job where there's going to be some of that, you need someone some personality, you know, to engage with kids and things like that. And you got to try your best to find someone who's honest and loyal. That's the other part too. Is integrity matters a lot as well. Then, fit uh, with the program on both sides of things, right? Like you fit yeah. into the job with the program, but you also need to find who fits with the program. <laughs> so right. fit exactly. just matters so much in this conversation. Exactly. Thoughts thoughts on this one? Because I know this is kind of your wheelhouse. What are your thoughts on this? I, I think that there's a bigger need in the scouting side of college ball right now. And I think that this is relevant to a degree of it is expanded way past the traditional scouting of high school recruits and your occasional transfer portal kid or transfer kid, I should say in general, the transfer portal has escalated things a lot, bit, a lot more to this point, right? So there's just a higher volume of players that you're going to watch on a year to year basis. It's why this position is important. It's why Chad Bowden needs more help behind him, right? right. It's why this is so important because there's just a higher volume of kids. I mean, there's thousands of kids just in the transfer portal. Like forget about the high school recruiting side for a second. It's insane, man. So I think that it's obviously a need. I think for me, I mean, especially with Notre Dame, the way, you know, with how we're seeing them recruit right now, as far as like trying to find some players that maybe 
maybe some people are a little bit lower on as far as like the rankings perspective and just kind of the general stuff is that you need to have a guy that has a good eye at the end of the day. So I think, yes, for me, it's about a guy that can see talent and can project talents. And it always will be about those things. Now, obviously they need to fit into the Notre Dame aura, right? Like can't just be a bad fit into it. You're foundationally yourself, but I really do think that it is always going to be about, can you project a guy to being a difference maker on the next level? Not only just a difference maker, but how you project them into the program as well? Because there's different layers to this, right? Not every player, you, not every recruit that you're going to go after is a guy that you're like, that guy's foundational. He's going to be an All-American. He's going to do this. There's a lot of depth players that you're just like, that kid's going to be a really good depth player. And that's there's nothing wrong with that. There's different layers to building a roster. I think you have to understand that in this type of situation. Yeah, good stuff. Very good stuff. We had another question from Coleman Smith who said, over under Tobias Merriweather, 50 receptions, 800 yards. Did we answer this one like a couple weeks ago? Like yeah. Um, I think it was like the same exact question. I could be wrong. Yeah, I mean, I think that's close to what I'm hoping the numbers look like this year. I mean, I, I could see a scenario where maybe he's around 800 and slightly under 50. Or, yeah. you know, depending on how he's used, if he's used as more of a vertical threat, I could see him also being around 800 and being over 60 if he's more of a possession guy, working crossers, middles, ends, comebacks, outs, things like that. It just depends on how he's used. I think that's close to where he is. I think well, I think we went something like last time, like, like slightly under on catches and around, and, and uh, slightly over maybe or a wash I, on I, yards I, or something like that. I, I think the last person actually asked, and it might've been Coleman that maybe just changed it up a little bit, but someone said, I think 50 receptions in 900, I think last time. Okay. I would say I'm slightly under on the catches and I'm slightly over on the 800 yards. I think it's going to be like 47 catches for 800 something yards. Like that's just kind of where I see it. I think he's going to average like 18 yards a catch this year. And I just think that because not that he can't handle a higher volume, in my opinion, I think he can. But I think that there's going to be other receivers on this roster, Jaden Thomas, Jaden Greathouse, Deion Colsey, Chris Tyree, the running backs. Like, I, I just – tight ends, obviously. I just think that there's the ball's going to be spread out a little bit this year. Mm-hmm. Like, I really think – I think if Tobias takes that type of jump, though, say he has 47 catches for 820 yards, then as a junior, he's a 1,000-yard kid with, like, 70-plus catches or, like, 60-plus catches. Like, I think this year that we're going to see them really – I think they're really going to spread the ball out a little bit this year. So say he's going yeah, to have 22 yards a catch. Woo, man. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll <laughs> I would take, take it. it too. I would take yeah. it too. John A1 says, how does Logan Thomas compare to Julian Aquara as a prospect? That's there are some things that are very similar. So I actually, yes. when I was doing my comp for him, Ryan, I actually considered Julian for a second. The reason I went away from it is because I think Logan has a much better frame than Julian did. Julian was always a little bit narrow shoulders, a little bit narrow hips. He was never going to be a guy that could get up to 260 and keep his athleticism. Now, Julian had really good strength like Logan has. I think Logan is built more like Romeo was at that age. Not quite as big, but, but broad shoulders, really long arms, a little thicker, you know, potential around the core and thighs. I don't think he's going to be as big as Romeo is. I mean, Romeo's moved inside at times in the NFL. I don't see Logan yeah, he's doing like that. He's like something now, right? Yeah, I, but like I just that, think yeah. Logan will be closer to what R- Romeo was as a, as, as a body type in college than what Julian was, and Julian struggled to get to 240 and keep it. I think Logan Thomas will be that by the end of his freshman year. I just think he has a better frame. 
there's some similarities from a from a te- Julian was really twitchy. He had a really explosive first yeah. step. I think Logan has a very good first step. I don't know if it's quite like this one is. The guy that I ended up comping him to, Ryan, is Josh Allen, the kid that played at Kentucky. Now, style-wise, I think frame-wise, very similar. You know, Josh Allen was a guy that 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 gained weight. I think he's what 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 was he about 240, 250 when he was in his last year at uh I, I at think Kentucky. he got up to like 260 his last year. Okay. He was a little bit bigger that year. But he was yeah. a 6'4, 220 pound kid coming out of high school. Real yeah. strong, you know, real long string bean kind of kid, had some real natural power. I think Josh Allen had a really nice first step, but I don't think he was like, wow, look at that step. You know, he wasn't like Elvis, Elvis Doomerville or something with his first step, right? And and he was a guy that could play off the ball, could move around, could play the run. I think that's a guy who who body type wise and and skill set wise uh, reminds is very similar to me. Uh, reminds me a lot of him. Now, of course, I'm more referring in this instance to Josh Allen as what he was in Kentucky. Logan is a is a much more advanced prospect than Josh Allen was coming out of high school, and certainly ranked higher than Josh was coming out of high school. But I think that's the yeah. the the comp that I think because Julian could play the run. But and, and and he they dropped. I mean, he had an interception against Michigan, but he wasn't very good at was, dropping any coverage. They it was a nice interception ball. against Michigan. It was, too. It was nice but he was he got right? where he needed to get to, and the and, and he caught the ball. But he wasn't a guy that was like dropping into coverage a lot. And Julian was good at one thing, and that was rushing the quarterback. And and he had a very inconsistent motor. Josh Allen had a really good motor, and I think Logan has a better motor too. And you you when you watch his game film, you'll see it. He's a, he's got a lot more consistent motor than what I think Julian had coming out of high school. I think he also yeah. plays a better pad low. I think at times Julian got would get high coming out of his stance. He would just he would just lift up, but he was just so so explosive he could get away with it in college. Yeah. I just did a little deep dive into Logan, which I that should be out uh, you know probably over the next few days. But tomorrow. I tomorrow. I was gonna put up tomorrow yeah. morning, Ryan. The film cool. room you did. Yeah it's tomorrow morning. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Logan is a really intriguing football player, Brian, because he is and his coach even said this He's pretty raw, man. Like, he doesn't really know what he's doing with his hands or anything yet. He just is long, twitched up, and flexible. Like, those and those things that works, man. That goes at the edge spot. Like, if you have a guy that can win with the first step, is also flexible and has some underlying power to him, I think he's got tremendous upside, Logan. And Logan plays hard to your degree. I mean, he makes a lot of plays in pursuits, working down the football field, a lot. A lot of really nice, a lot of really nice physical ability, but also I think there's a lot of motor to him as well. So if he's developed properly, if he gains the appropriate weight, which it should not be an issue, if he is developed as far as understanding how to rush the pass or how to use his hands better, I think he's got massive upside. I really do. Mm-hmm. And he's a kid that drops in the coverage a ton at, at his high school. Mm-hmm. So I think that that is a perfect fit into the Viper spot. Just about development, man. Get good weight on that frame and teach him how to use his hands. If you do those things, I think he's going to be really good. His first step is nice, man. It was just, it's inconsistent because they use him a lot off ball at times. They also use him as like a 3-4 alignment where he's off the line of scrimmage a little bit as well. So I think when you get him as more of an attack style player, his first step is going to be showcased even more because it's good when he fires off the football. Yeah. Yeah, he he's got a lot of tools, Ryan. He but he's one of the, uh, for me. And I'm curious to get your response to this. See if it was the same way for you. For me, he is definitely a guy that grew on me. He was not a guy like the yeah. first time I watched Malachi Williams, I was like, "Yep, sign yep. me up." 
I mean, it was yep. just it, – it jumped out at me. Justin Scott was not a guy that the first time I watched his film, I was blown away. Second, third time, I was like, okay, yeah, you're starting to see it, right? Because there's just – a because he needs a lot of this – was, this was back when I was watching Justin's, I think, sophomore film. It's just like, okay, you needed – because he didn't know what he was doing. Technically, he wasn't really advanced, and so he didn't know how to maximize his tools per se. And Logan was very similar. And his sophomore film is very intriguing because he plays mostly as a three-point stance just end as a sophomore. And he was much more productive as a sophomore than he was as a junior for a bunch of different reasons. But it took me some time for his film to grow on me, to be honest with you. But but as you dive into it, you're like, okay, yeah, I really see the tools. And, it's, and when I say that, that's not that I have to convince myself he's good. It's right. just sometimes film can be such that, or a prospect can be such that, the the lack of technical skill can sometimes mask like Bodie Cahoon's one of those guys. You watch a lot of film, you're like, yeah, it's solid, it's good, it's good. And then there's like seven or eight plays, you're like, whoa, okay, that 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 was oh, let me see that again. That was different. Yeah. And then you start to watch the film differently because you're like, okay, I know he can do this. Why doesn't he do it more often? Okay, he's his technique is here, his technique there's an issue. He's and, and, and he's then, only played linebacker you, half a season. Right. And, yeah, and then yeah, you right, talk right. to the high school coach like you did, and he says the guy played safety for us his whole career. He never played linebacker, and we didn't move him to linebacker till the season had already started. And he said, Okay, that makes a little sense. That would make sense why technically he gets himself in some situations. You're like, Yeah, I wish he, you know, play a better technique. And that's all part of the recruiting process. Not every kid's gonna blow you away immediately. Like first time I watched Aaron Lynch, I was like, Holy moly. I needed to watch Stefan to it a couple of times because he was just such a bully. And, yeah. and, and I mean that in a good way that he just would, it's like this kid's just bigger and stronger best, but is he really the, got the athletic skill? So you had to like really study Stefan. And then you're like, yeah, this kid's legit. Where Aaron, just the first time you watch this film, you're like, yep. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. Sure. They were both excellent prospects. It just, it just takes a little bit of work. And Logan was a guy that took a little bit of work for me. Uh, Khalid Spring was that way for me. I yeah. Julian Aguara's film popped first time you saw it. you could just see that burst off the edge like oh wow okay yeah but Khalid Kareem was like yeah let me keep watching you know you just then you see like this kid's not flashy he's not sexy he just this kid's just a really good football player you know and and Logan to me is one of those guys that just it took some time but once I finally was like yeah okay I see it and you put it all together you realize this kid's got a lot of talent a lot of potential there's there's slow burn players for me every single year, man. Like even in the NFL draft space, Brian, like I was not a big Jahan Dotson fan, but then I just watched more and more of him like at, at multiple games. I'm like, okay, I see it now. Like I, I get it. I get why some people are so high on him. It makes total sense. And I think that that always happens, especially again, a kid that was asked to do so many different things is also a person that's maybe not being maximized in one area as much. I mean, like that's, that's for me, like, I think that some people might watch Brandon Hillman last year, or Oliver Miles this year, or someone like that, or a uh, Isaiah Canyon to a degree, and they'll look at him and be like, I don't really know what this kid is because he's asked to do so much things. But then you're like, but like, let's isolate these traits and let's project them a little bit more because if we project this perfectly or properly, I should say, then they can be really good. I, so I, I just think that that's, that's the – that's the sword of playing high school football sometimes, Brian. Like I played, I played linebacker, defensive end, and offensive tackle in high school. It's like, why? Why was I doing that? Because I had to. Like it's a necessity right. that your high school team needed you to do that right. type of stuff, right? So I think projecting sometimes at high school is really difficult because it's like Bodie Cahoon playing single high free safety as a sophomore. You're like, that's cool and all, but like 
it's not what he's going to do at the next level. You know what I mean? Like that's not, that's just not incredibly translatable. So being able to see that, I, I really think, I really think that just understanding how to isolate trades is the biggest thing. Yeah. That's a good one. We had a next question. Another one from John a one John said, does the current, does the current coaching staff need to make an adjustment in its recruiting commitment, decommitment philosophy or program? I think they already have, and I'm good with what they're doing now. If a kid still wants to take visits and, and explore the process, don't commit. I mean, they're literally have told kids, yeah, he silently commits, but yeah, you're you're not going public with this, you know, and, and we're not really counting it. I mean, that's the thing with like Peyton Pierce. He committed to Notre Dame, but he wanted to take more visits. And so Notre Dame said, well, don't commit publicly right now. And they didn't treat him like a committed kid. And of course, everything that, that happened kind of went down that road. So, I mean, that's, that's, I, I'm good with where they are. I'm good with that. I'm good with the whole, if you're committed to us, you can't take official visits. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and we talked about this the other day. I, I also like the fact that Notre Dame is consistent with it, where they don't, they're they not going to say, well, yes, hey, we don't allow our commits to visit officially other places. And so we're not going to let anybody else's official commits visit here officially. And, and so, so now again, that's, we're talking official visits. Notre Dame's policy on official visits and unofficial visits is different. Yeah. But if you are committed to even taking unofficial visits, for example, if 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 uh, Notre Dame commit right now said, "Hey, I want to go visit Ohio State unofficially," so okay, you know, now Notre Dame's going to respond with, "Okay, this kid's not fully committed to us. We need to make sure we're doing our due diligence to to be prepared in case he decides not to not to sign up with us." But um, the other part of it, Ryan, is that you're 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 going to say. But but we're not going to say, hey, you're out of the class or right. or you have to decommit because it's an unofficial visit. It's the official visit is when they say that, because that's a whole different level to this conversation. And and so I'm comfortable with where they are. And I think they've adjusted from last year where they're less willing to take a commitment from a kid like Peyton Bowen, I believe, always said he was going to take visits. Yeah. And they still took his commitment. I think if this was happening again this year, they wouldn't. I don't think they would take his, his his commitment this year, and that probably would be smart. So I, I think they have adjusted and adapted to to the, the reality of how things have gone, and I think where they are now is is where I think they need to be. They have to be willing to take a, a, a hard line on this, Ryan, because otherwise you're going to just find kids just kind of playing Notre Dame and holding spots and things like that. You know, I'm not going to get I'm not going to get happen with. I mean, we we always talk about like last year with Scott and I mean uh, with Bowen and and. Keon and those kind of guys, but it happened the year before, like a Maureen Walker. He kept taking visits, and I was just like, guys, he's not coming to Notre Dame. I mean, it's very clear that Notre Dame is just a holdover until he finds a school he wants to go to. You know, and and you get to that point in time, and now all of a sudden you're you're getting signing day and you're burned. Yes. And uh, and they didn't play that right. So I think just over time they've kind of said, Hey, look, this is how we gotta be. And if you're really committed to us and you really want to be here, then you're not gonna go anywhere. And that's um, yeah. Uh, I just I just think they have to do a better job of reading the actions and not the words too much. Like I just yeah. think there was a couple kids last year that said all the right things, would never put back down from it. But then you knew, well, you didn't know, but that it ended up obviously biting at the end of the day, right? So I I do think that changing it a little bit is. A good idea on their part, Brian. I think we definitely agree on there. I mean, this is a situation where 
Do your due diligence. Make sure a kid's comfortable. That's a yes, by the way. Um, sorry, I didn't okay. want to text you All back, good. but yes, that is a yes. Uh, but I, I think that this is a situation where, for me, you have to make sure that a kid and you are on the same page, right? I'm making mm-hmm. a full commitment to you. I want to make sure you're fully committing to me and right. vice versa. So, yes, I, I think that we are in a situation right now where Notre Dame needs to have that truth conversation. Like, hey, man, it's fine if you want to take visits. It's fine. But don't commit to us right now. Right. Like, we're not, we're still going to be here. But I, I, but the other thing, though, is, is that it's a fine line because some kids, you're always going to hold a spot open for them, right? But then there's other kids where it's like, you can choose to do that, but there's no guarantee that your spot is still going to be open when you make a decision ultimately. And we mm-hmm. have seen that happen as well. So I just think it's a fine line, man. It's tough. This is the question that I texted Ryan because I didn't want to bring this question up if he hadn't watched this young man's <laughs> film because they're offering 25 yes. kids so fast, it's hard to watch, get a, dive into all their films. So Trip Bergen asked, Ryan, what do you think about the 2025 running back Justin Thurman started at Dismet Jesuit last year, now at Tampa Jesuit? Um, Ryan, they offered him yesterday, correct? They it was did. yesterday the yep. day before. So he was one of them. Ryan, have you had a chance to, to you have had a chance. I mean, we, we just, we were texting back and forth about that. So <laughs> yes, uh, you've had a chance to watch him. What are your thoughts on him uh, as an early offer? Well, he's a, he's a really interesting player. Didn't play a ton for Tampa Jesuit last year because they actually had a senior that was really good, but he did play very fast. This kid is lightning in a bottle. He's about six foot. 180 pounds. I'm going to have a little bit more of a film breakdown, a little bit of a deeper dive on the message board at boards.irishbreakdown.com later today. I was working through because there was a ton of offers yesterday. So getting through a couple of these kids, Justin Thurman was a kid that has, he doesn't have the longest highlight tape of all time. Because again, I think he only had like 19 carries last year for Tampa Jesuit, but he is explosive. He's got a good size profile. I think he's going to play at six foot, 200 pounds. He can really stop and start at a really elite level, in my opinion. So that kid's talented. He's very talented. I'm excited to see him at Tampa Jesuit this year because he should have a bigger role with the graduation of their top back last year. And so I think that he's really going to burst on the scene. I mean, he's been offered by a lot of the blue, a lot of blue bloods already. He's going to be on the road the next six weeks. He's going to be at Notre Dame on June 15th, actually for on an unofficial visit. So he's going to be all over the place and he's a really talented football player. I liked Thurman a lot, man. He can go. He's a reported like four, three, eight in the 40, Brian. Like he is, he's lightning, man. He can run. I like that. I like that. I always take that four, three, sign me up. Dude, it's four, all three right. and like a high, th- like 37 inch vert reported and like nine eleven broad as a sophomore in high school. Like, all uh, right, man. Uh, uh, <laughs> all right. That'll play. Yes. That'll play. that'll play. John's question. John A1, which Viper ro- rotation was the best? 2018, 2020, or 2021? This is an easy one. 2018. I mean, that, that, that's an easy, the, the Julian, the best year that Julian Aguara had to me was that year. And Dalen Hayes was a, pretty darn good viper that year as well as the rotation guy i mean they basically had two starters at that position 2020 was dalen hayes and isaiah foskey but foskey didn't play a ton that year i mean he that was like he, the he four was, and a half sack year right yeah. yeah and that yeah uh but and then 21 was basically just foskey essentially yeah i mean you yeah. didn't really have a second viper that was really bringing a lot Adam of the, played the a little bit like yeah, yeah. yeah. but but Jay, justin played all over you know, yeah. I mean, he'd play field end and 
Yeah, I just 2018 is an easy one for me. None of them are bad, but that's an easy one for me. It's 2018. I think 2018 is the only one that you have in the conversation you just that in the rotations you just named, Brian. That's the only one that has two kids that are playing in the NFL right now. So that's a it's pretty good indication, right? I mean, Daylon Hayes is playing in the NFL. Julian Quar is playing in the NFL. So that's pretty good. I I'm interested to see if we look back on the 2021 in a couple of years, depending on how Jordan Patelho you know, progresses here as far as like what the in a vacuum talent was, but I agree. I mean, from the on-field production perspective and the fact that both those kids are playing in the NFL, 2018 is a pretty easy one too. I agree. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.